Chapter Seven of the Mayor of Casterbridge by Thomas Hardy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Seven. Elizabeth Jane and her mother had arrived some twenty minutes earlier. Outside the house, they had stood and considered whether even this homely place, though recommended as moderate, might not be too serious in its prices for their light pockets finally however they had found courage to enter and julie met stanage the landlord a silent man who drew and carried frothing measures to this room and to that shoulder to shoulder with his waiting-maids a stately slowness however entering into his ministrations by contrast with theirs as became one whose service was somewhat optional it would have been altogether optional but for the orders of the landlady a person who sat in the bar corporeally motionless but with a flitting eye and quick ear with which she observed and heard through the open door and hatchway the pressing needs of customers whom her husband overlooked though close at hand elizabeth and her mother were passively accepted as sojourners and shown to a small bedroom under one of the gables where they sat down the principle of the inn seemed to be to compensate for the antique awkwardness crookedness and obscurity of the passages floors and windows by quantities of clean linen spread about everywhere and this had a dazzling effect upon the travellers tis too good for us we can't meet it said the elder woman looking round the apartment with misgiving as soon as they were left alone i fear it is too said elizabeth but we must be respectable we must pay our way even before we must be respectable replied her mother mr henchard is too high for us to make ourselves known to him i much fear so we've only our own pockets to depend on i know what i'll do said elizabeth jane after an interval of waiting during which their needs seemed quite forgotten under the press of business below and leaving the room she descended the stairs and penetrated to the bar if there was one good thing more than another which characterized this single-hearted girl it was a willingness to sacrifice her personal comfort and dignity to the common weal as you seem busy here to-night and mother's not well off might i take out part of our accommodation by helping she asked of the landlady the latter who remained as fixed in the armchair as if she had been melted into it when in a liquid state and could not now be unstuck looked the girl up and down inquiringly with her hands on the chair arms such arrangements as the one elizabeth proposed were not uncommon in country villages but though casterbridge was old-fashioned the custom was well-nigh obsolete here the mistress of the house however was an easy woman to strangers and she made no objection thereupon elizabeth being instructed by nods and motions from the taciturn landlord as to where she could find the different things trotted up and downstairs with materials for her own and her parents meal while she was doing this the wood partition in the centre of the house thrilled to its centre with the tugging of a bell-pole upstairs a bell below tinkled a note that was feebler in sound than the twanging of wires and cranks that had produced it tis the scotch gentleman said the landlady omnisciently and turning her eyes to elizabeth now then can you go and see if his supper is on the tray if it is you can take it up to him the front room over this elizabeth jane though hungry willingly postponed serving herself a while 
and applied to the cook in the kitchen whence she brought forth the tray of supper viands and proceeded with it upstairs to the apartment indicated the accommodation of the three mariners was far from spacious despite the fair area of ground it covered the room demanded by intrusive beams and rafters partitions passages staircases disused ovens settles and four-posters left comparatively small quarters for human beings moreover this being at a time before home-brewing was abandoned by the smaller victuallers and a house in which the twelve bushel strength was still religiously adhered to by the landlord in his ale the quality of the liquor was the chief attraction of the premises so that everything had to make way for utensils and operations in connection therewith thus elizabeth found that the scotchman was located in a room quite close to the small one that had been allotted to herself and her mother when she entered nobody was present but the young man himself the same whom she had seen lingering without the windows of the king's arms hotel he was now idly reading a copy of the local paper and was hardly conscious of her entry so that she looked at him quite coolly and saw how his forehead shone where the light caught it and how nicely his hair was cut and the sort of velvet pile or down that was on the skin at the back of his neck and how his cheek was so truly curved as to be part of a globe and how clearly drawn were the lids and lashes which hid his bent eyes she set down the tray spread his supper and went away without a word on her arrival below the landlady who was as kind as she was fat and lazy saw that elizabeth jane was rather tired though in her earnestness to be useful she was waiving her own needs altogether mrs stanage thereupon said with a considerate peremptoriness that she and her mother had better take their own suppers if they meant to have any elizabeth fetched their simple provisions as she had fetched the scotchman's and went up to the little chamber where she had left her mother noiselessly pushing open the door with the edge of the tray to her surprise her mother instead of being reclined on the bed where she had left her was in an erect position with lips parted at elizabeth's entry she lifted her finger the meaning of this was soon apparent the room allotted to the two women had at one time served as a dressing-room to the scotchman's chamber as was evidenced by signs of a door of communication between them now screwed up and pasted over with the wallpaper but as is frequently the case with hotels of far higher pretensions than the three mariners every word spoken in either of these rooms was distinctly audible in the other such sounds came through now thus silently conjured elizabeth deposited the tray and her mother whispered as she drew nearer tis he who said the girl the mayor the tremors in susan henchard's tone might have led any person but one so perfectly unsuspicious of the truth as the girl was to surmise some closer connection than the admitted simple kinship as a means of accounting for them two men were indeed talking in the adjoining chamber the young scotchman and henchard who having entered the inn while elizabeth jane was in the kitchen waiting for the supper had been deferentially conducted upstairs by host stanage himself the girl noiselessly laid out their little meal and beckoned to her mother to join her which mrs henchard mechanically did her attention being fixed on the conversation through the door i merely strolled in on my way home to ask you a question about something that has excited my curiosity 
said the mayor with careless geniality but i see you have not finished supper ay but i will be done in a little ye needn't go sir take a seat i've almost done and it makes no difference at all henchard seemed to take the seat offered and in a moment he resumed well first i should ask did you write this a rustling of paper followed yes i did said the scotchman then said henchard i am under the impression that we have met by accident while waiting for the morning to keep an appointment with each other my name is henchard hadn't you replied to an advertisement for a corn factor's manager that i put into the paper hadn't you come here to see me about it no said the scotchman with some surprise surely you are the man went on henchard insistingly who arranged to come and see me joshua joshua jip jop what was his name you're wrong said the young man my name is donald farfrae it is true i am in the corn trade but i have replied to no advertisement and arranged to see no one i am on my way to bristol from there to the other side of the world to try my fortune in the great wheat-growing districts of the west i have some inventions useful to the trade and there is no scope for developing them here to america well well said henchard in a tone of disappointment so strong as to make itself felt like a damp atmosphere and yet i could have sworn you were the man the scotchman murmured another negative and there was a silence till henchard resumed then i am truly and sincerely obliged to you for the few words you wrote on that paper it was nothing sir well it has a great importance for me just now this row about my grown wheat which i declare to heaven i didn't know to be bad till the people came complaining has put me to my wit's end i've some hundreds of quarters of it on hand and if your renovating process will make it wholesome why you can see what a quag would get me out of i saw in a moment there might be truth in it but i should like to have it proved and of course you don't care to tell the steps of the process sufficiently for me to do that without my paying ye well for it first the young man reflected a moment or two i don't know that i have any objection he said i'm going to another country and curing bad corn is not the line i'll take up there yes i'll tell ye the whole of it you'll make more out of it here than i will in a foreign country just look here a minute sir i can show ye by a sample in my carpet-bag the click of a lock followed and there was a shifting and rustling then a discussion about so many ounces to the bushel and drying and refrigerating and so on these few grains will be sufficient to show ye with came in the young fellow's voice and after a pause during which some operation seemed to be intently watched by them both he exclaimed there now do you taste that it's complete quite restored or well nearly quite enough restored to make good seconds out of it said the scotchman to fetch it back entirely is impossible nature won't stand so much as that but here you go a great way towards it well sir that's the process i don't value it for it can be but of little use in countries where the weather is more settled than in ours and i'll be only too glad if it's of service to you but hearken to me pleaded henchard my business you know is in corn and in hay but i was brought up as a hay trusser simply and hay is what i understand best though i now do more in corn than in the other 
if you'll accept the place you shall manage the corn branch entirely and receive a commission in addition to salary you're liberal very liberal but no no i cannot the young man still replied with some distress in his accents so be it said henchard conclusively now to change the subject one good turn deserves another don't stay to finish that miserable supper come to my house i can find something better for ye than cold ham and ale donald farfrae was grateful said he feared he must decline that he wished to leave early next day very well said henchart quickly please yourself but i tell you young man if this holds good for the bulk as it has done for the sample you have saved my credit stranger though you be what shall i pay you for this knowledge nothing at all nothing at all it may not prove necessary to ye to use it often and i don't value it at all i thought i might just as well let ye know as you were in a difficulty and they were hard upon ye henchard paused i shan't soon forget this he said and from a stranger i couldn't believe you were not the man i had engaged says i to myself he knows who i am and recommends himself by this stroke and yet it turns out after all that you are not the man who answered my advertisement but a stranger ay ay that's so said the young man henchard again suspended his words and then his voice came thoughtfully your forehead farfrae is something like my poor brother's now dead and gone and the nose too isn't unlike his you must be what five foot nine i reckon i am six foot one and a half out of my shoes but what of that in my business tis true that strength and bustle build up a firm but judgment and knowledge are what keep it established unluckily i am bad at science farfrae bad at figures a rule of thumb sort of man you are just the reverse i can see that i have been looking for such as you these two year and yet you are not for me well before i go let me ask this though you are not the young man i thought you were what's the difference can't ye stay just the same have you really made up your mind about this american notion i won't mince matters i feel you would be invaluable to me that needn't be said and if you will bide and be my manager i will make it worth your while my plans are fixed said the young man in negative tones i have formed a scheme and so we need not say any more about it but will you not drink with me sir i find this casterbridge ale warming to the stomach no no i fain would but i can't said henchard gravely the scraping of his chair informing the listeners that he was rising to leave when i was a young man i went in for that sort of thing too strong far too strong and was well-nigh ruined by it i did a deed on account of it which i shall be ashamed of to my dying day it made such an impression on me that i swore there and then that i'd drink nothing stronger than tea for as many years as i was old that day i have kept my oath and though farfrae i am sometimes that dry in the dog days that i could drink a quarter barrel to the pitching i think of my oath and touch no strong drink at all i'll no press ye sir i'll no press ye i respect your vow 
well i shall get a manager somewhere no doubt said henchard with strong feeling in his tones but it will be long before i see one that would suit me so well the young man appeared much moved by henchard's warm convictions of his value he was silent till they reached the door i wish i could stay sincerely i would like to he replied but no it cannot be it cannot i want to see the world End of chapter 7